The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm aware, I've caught wind of a review of Playmakers that is coming, I think, later this week. There's a money quote there that will be engraved on the other side of the tombstone. It is a perfect description of who I am. Like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading crap like that. It's a Thursday edition of PFT Live. Don't put that quote back on the screen. That's not authorized yet. That's not released. Somebody should have checked with me. I'm in trouble now. Good morning. Good. Hello. Good. Get him in trouble. The hell with him. Back in his new satellite studio. You look less jaundiced today. I think they've figured out the lighting a little bit. You were a little jaundicey. I don't I was know a if you got any texts from any any worried family members that you actually would have been the one under the dirt and I'd have been the one throwing the deuces at the camera. I don't know. Yesterday you were looking you were looking a little, a little yellow to me. A little, right, little, little, little liver impaired yesterday, just a little bit. I, I well, I mean, I hope it's not my liver. I do. We had lighting issues yesterday. Also, like I don't know, like the full disclosure, I have like a different powder I've been putting on my face for makeup in the last two days too, which is a hair more yellowy. So it's not the one that fits my skin tone. So maybe that's what's making me look like that too. But you're telling me I don't look too jaundicey today. What? They, they sent you the Big Bird kit? Is that what they sent you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you sent Big Bird the Big Bird kit. Yes, that would fit. <laughs> what, well, I don't look uh, too jaundicey today, though, you're saying. I'm, I'm okay. All right, that's good to hear. You, you, look, to you, look, you, look, you, look, you look better today. Okay. But it wasn't as bad as it was the day that I was like halfway between yellow and green. No, and no, my Wendy whole family was, text yeah. Message alarmed yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, my Aunt Wendy, my mom called me later that night. into some sort of a monster. Right. <laughs> I know. My mom called me that night like with genuine, oh, Chris. Christopher, Mike didn't look good today. <laughs> you know, like it was legitimate concern. So that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, feeling good though. Hoping to stay on the right side of that mound of dirt with the tombstone. With Thursday the shirt really, on. Listen, I, I found it just for you. Good. It's under a pile of dirty clothes. I hadn't done a wash, and and I'm not. Yummy. You know, you're not the one that has to deal with the fact that it's. Uh, yeah, as I said before, it can get a little gamey. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, my idea. I'm telling you, this is a billion-dollar idea, not just a million-dollar idea. The living memorial that goes on a tombstone, the LED-powered or the solar-powered LED screen. I'm just giving this away to whoever wants to go take it and run with it. How dumb am I? Yeah. The solar-powered LED screen with the, the video that plays over and over and over again, whatever it is that you want it to be. There it is at the gravesite over and over again into perpetuity. That's the idea. 
That's a billion-dollar idea. <laughs> oh, 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 I was going to say, what is that? What's is Mike that? McCarthy going to be on his there feet? Uh, Mike, they're going to yeah. put Mike McCarthy <laughs> on that loop where you tell. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Yeah. You can have Mike McCarthy. You can have Aaron Rodgers. You can have anyone you want. You can have Rob Gronkowski saying, oh, but I'm special, over and over again. Whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. you can uh, have. Yes. Uh, anyway. All right, so you're you're definitely one of those, though, just while we're on the subject of death. Um, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs> let's let's have a frank and candid conversation about the fact that we're all going to die. We someday. keep it, but you're definitely getting bur- buried, Jimmy? huh? You're going to get buried. You're not going to do like the oh, cremation thing or oh, anything like that. I haven't thought about that. Oh. Haven't, I haven't thought about that yet. Okay. Oh yeah. I haven't okay. thought about that. All right. I not, know. Not thrilled with the idea. Not thrilled with the idea of cremation. <laughs> just in the unlikely event that I'm still alive. <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. I just don't want. You know, if there's an accidental diagnosis. That I'm dead while I'm still alive. I don't want to end up inside the furnace. Yeah. That's, that's, All right. So well, that's better than being just inside in the. Case. It's better inside than being inside the coffin and you're still alive. So I don't know. I mean, at least you just. I don't you know get which is better. With. I don't know. It's torture. You're gonna be six feet underground, like stuck. I don't know. I think that's worse. I'd rather just get burned up and be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other side of it too is I'm claustrophobic. I mean, when they close that lid, oh, there's much headroom man. in there. I hear you. Yeah, so. that will not be good. No. Definitely Can you get not. like a bubble top? <laughs> if I could get like a bubble top casket, I think I'd be. I think I'd be okay with. Oh, being well, you're, maybe you're on to something else here too. And you, 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 you're, 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 you're killing <laughs> it in the death roof. department. This I want week. a sunroof <laughs> on my casket. I want a Minnesota I want Vikings dome. I want a dome. I want it to slide. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've retractable. Roof, Retractable roof, bubble right. top casket. <laughs> I mean, why, why? Listen, listen. I think we're. I think we're coming up with all sorts of ideas. The ground is as fertile as the dirt that they put on top of my Aaron Rodgers inspired uh, burial mound. Uh, you know, why even be buried? Just, just like, just like have a have like a like a loose site, like a you know. And you're just you're just like propped up, and you just like weekend at Bernie's. It's all year at Bernie's. You just stand there, uh, covered in loose sight, and uh, you don't have to deal with fear of being burned up or fear of being uh, you know claustrophobic for all eternity. I think these are all some very viable ideas that I need to think through carefully because you never know, especially yeah. dealing with you. Yeah. You never know. No, no, you you never know. But I yeah, I like where your head's at. Fine, that sounds good. So go ahead, work on that. Get it patented, and so that no one can steal it from you. And maybe that could be your your calling after PFT is like I don't know what you would call some nickname with you know death with it. It sounds good. Oh, Doctor Death. Doctor Death. Death. There we go. Isn't that what you call me? Are you calling me Doctor Doom? Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. Either way, they both fit. Yeah, it sounds good. Well, it's you know we only interrupt the football conversation for the most important of topics. So otherwise, we wouldn't have taken away from anything that needs to be said about the fact that we're two days away from the divisional round of the playoffs. The best. Weekend of the year, yes. as Chris Berman would always say. Although, Super Wild Card Weekend has the potential to be better with six games. This year's, though, C-plus at best. At best, a C-plus. Grading on a very liberal curve this past Super Wild Card Weekend's a C-plus. This weekend has a chance to be an A-plus. And we're going to have the Mega Picks podcast later today yeah, right. where we make our picks. And I've been ping-ponging all oh, week long what? on all four games. It's a, it's a tough week. It really is. We're nitpicking. I think that's why we're in store for like four great games. And that's why, hey, listen, I'm willing, you know, I think you might have said it on Monday. I'm willing to take my lumps on Wild Card Weekend last weekend as far as the games not being as good for the fact that the better team won in each game. So now we're going to get the best possible matchups. You know, like you said yesterday, I think it's clearly the eight best teams in football. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I think we're going to see some high-level football play and close football games this week with, with great storylines in just about every game, too. So that's what's going to be a lot of fun. We did not see high-level football play on Sunday from the Dallas Cowboys. That has sparked some hope among Cowboys fans that – Owner Jerry Jones will decide to make a coaching change. Mike McCarthy met with reporters yesterday for his final press conference of the year. And among the various things he discussed was his job security. Here's McCarthy from yesterday afternoon. I've had a chance to, you know, talk to Jerry, um, you know, after the game for a long time. Also, saw him again Monday. So, you know, we had very positive, you know, conversation and just, you know, the focus on the on the, you know, the evaluation process. You know, I, I understand what goes on here every day. Um, I know how to win. 
I know how to win in this league. I know how to win playoff games. I know how to win a championship. So I have great confidence in that. Uh, what we've built uh, here in two seasons, <clears throat> I feel very good about. Um, and I think with that, uh, you just you stay true to that. He's had conversations with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has not said anything definitive yet, although kind of did right after the game. And Stephen Jones kind of did on Monday. I don't really expect that the Cowboys are thinking about making a change. As Shereen Williams aptly pointed out last night, Jerry Jones, despite the opulent mega yacht that has a crew of dozens and probably costs him a million dollars a week just to maintain, Jerry Jones does not like to pay coaches to not work for him. He doesn't like to pay buyouts. No matter how many billions he has, he doesn't like doing it. And Mike McCarthy's only two years into his contract. So if McCarthy would be fired, there would be a significant outlay of money owed to McCarthy in the coming years. That's one big factor in the Cowboys standing pat, even if they're at a point where McCarthy has taken the franchise as far as he possibly can. I mean, that's the question that you have to ask yourself. The coach is asking about the players. It's not an unfair question. Sure. Has this coach taken us as far as he can? And is there someone out there who can take us farther? If yes, what are we doing? Why aren't we pursuing that? that that's what the fans are going to ask about every team every year that doesn't get to the Super Bowl or win it. I, I understand the question. I, I get it. I do. You know, listen, I, I've been one that's been critical of Mike McCarthy a little bit, certainly at the end of his era, you know, in Green Bay and all of that. But I, I, at the same time, I don't understand where the job security I'm, I'm a little surprised that we're having the job security question about about mike mccarthy i am i understand it hasn't been perfect you know as far as there's been some game management issues you know and, and of course we're going to dissect what happened again you know the other the, on sunday as far as that last you know 14 seconds segment there and how they handled that i understand that but still you know it, it, we're, we're in year two things went and you know drastically better in year two uh, he went 12 and five, won the division. I understand, you know, some of those numbers may lie. It's a it's a weak division. The number one offense in football, you know, from the get go to start the season, none of us expected them to hang toe to toe with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the first Thursday night game of the year to open up the season. They went toe to toe and had the Bucks really reeling and like kind of you know leaning in the corner there as they were taking blows from the Cowboys team. You know, so I, I, that's where I like I question the Cowboys fandom just to go, why? I mean, things are going in the right direction. What, what do you want to mess up? Why do you want to mess this up right now? I know it hasn't been perfect, but let's let the plan kind of take its, take its course here a little bit. Yeah, year one wasn't good. Year two was really good. There's still a lot of pieces on the team to like and to build off of. They got to fix a few things. And I, I think he's done a good job for the most part as far as getting this franchise, especially this year, back on the right track, back on the winning track. I, I, don't, I don't love the, what, is Mike McCarthy, you know, should he be fired here after winning the, the NFC East conversation a whole lot? One of the reasons his first year wasn't good is because yeah. his hand-picked defensive coordinator That's right. was Mike Nolan, no and doubt. that was a disaster. Yeah. How is that not on his permanent record from the yeah. standpoint of assessing right. where he is after two years? I'm not saying he should be fired. No, I know I'm you're just, not. I, I know. We're here to be authentic and honest right. and a reflection of what we're hearing from people who are Cowboys partisans right. who are saying, why are they keeping this guy? And when you look at the – chronic clock management issues and jerry jones defended him earlier this year and the defense was well other people have clock management issues yeah, too. we're right, not the best coaches right, right. and again one of the epiphanies i've had this week and it only took me 20 years two months and two weeks of covering the nfl every day to come to this conclusion there's a handful of great coaches in the nfl and there's everybody else and mccarthy is in the vat of everybody else do you agree with me on that i I think he's like at the upper echelons or the, the top of that that class, though. Okay, let's say that. Like when we're talking about great coaches, I know we've kind of gone over this a little bit. You know, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, of course, Bill Belichick. You know, when you talk about the great ones that are there right now. You know, of course, yeah, McVay. You know, I think Shanahan is, of course, yes. McDermott, I'm going to put in that class right Payton. now for you sure. Peyton Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, no doubt about it. I'm looking at playoff teams here first, so sorry. Yeah. But yes, I think you look at that group, and then I think, okay, now, you know, and I'm probably missing somebody. Pete Carroll certainly deserves to be in that group 
I think now you go to, okay, let's go to the next class of coaches in the NFL. I think Mike McCarthy's towards the top of that next class. I don't think he's in that, you know, cream of the crop guys we just mentioned there, but I think he's, you know, leading the, the, the middle class, let's say, as far as the top dog in that department. So yeah, he's not the greatest, but he's certainly not the worst. And he, he does have a pretty good track record with a lot of things and winning football games. Now, and Aaron Rodgers. Well, that, that's where, you know, I go into a little bit like, hey, that's why I think that guy's the greatest quarterback ever, too. I understand that. You know, I mean, again, this is a guy that was an offensive coordinator in Mike McCarthy, and he doesn't want anything to do with calling yeah, plays anymore and all that. Right. So I know, I know. So uh, I understand, and I, he seems to have become the, you know, easy – jump on guy as far as the coaches are concerned too and maybe that's partly because of him and the clock managing blunders or whatever else but I do think people are a little quick to jump on Mike McCarthy um, you know and, and I feel like that right now even though I understand there's things to question it still was a damn good year and things seem to be going in the right direction in Dallas one of the reasons you become the guy on whom others jump is you've taken the job as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys that's right too right plain and simple yeah right if you're the coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, and you were only on national TV a handful of times this year, you don't get jumped on the same way for your failures, which are different but also significant to the point where he needs to be wondering, is right. he going to get a phone call this week from Michael Bidwell telling him that the time has come to move on? And I want to mention here something that we said last night. Not just so that I can wedge in a gratuitous reference to my book, Playmakers, which comes out March 15, sometimes ill-tempered and snarky, but always entertaining. Uh, There is a story told in there about how close the Cowboys came a few years ago to hiring Sean Payton. Yeah. And it will blow your mind, as I said earlier this week, how close it came and why it didn't happen. I mention that because, because, number one, teams don't use that ability to trade for other coaches nearly as often as they should a great coach is a special commodity and I would give up multiple first round picks if I knew I was going to have a great coach who wanted to be here and who was going to devote every waking moment of every day of the year except for a couple of weeks in late June and early July to my cause which is being the best football program that I possibly can own and run and operate it doesn't happen nearly enough it should happen more secondly there's no way to know whether or not it's already happening behind the scenes because they're not going to come out and tell us. Because the way that it would happen, if Jerry Jones would decide in the aftermath of what occurred on Sunday, I've had enough, i got to go get Sean Payton. What you got to do is line it up before you fire Mike McCarthy. You want to know that you're going to get the two in the bush before you let go of the bird in the hand. Yeah, now, right. that, runs, that runs contrary to the spirit of the Rooney rule. And it's incorrect, it's wrong, it shouldn't happen, but it happens. And and that's the way it was happening a few years ago. You need to know you're going to get the guy that you want to trade for. Then you fire the guy you have. You conduct your search that complies with the Rooney Rule. And then once you're exasperated by your options after a week or two, after interviewing a wide variety of individuals, the usual suspects, the names that are popping up over and over again, the full, the full gamut. You do your full search, and then... You work out a trade, a trade. It's not really a trade, but it is a trade with the Saints for Sean Payton or someone else. I don't know, someone else. Maybe, and let's not just let's not just say Payton. Maybe Sean McVay. Maybe Kyle Shanahan. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan just brought a team in there and kicked Jerry Jones' ass. Maybe Jerry Jones' eye has roamed from Sean Payton to Kyle Shanahan. Regardless, the point is it doesn't happen enough. And if you want to upgrade from one of the not great coaches to one of the great coaches, that's the way you do it. And I am surprised it doesn't happen more often. I, I will and agree my with point you there. Is, yeah. my, my, my point is, if it's something Jerry Jones is exploring, we're not going to know it until it happens. And it's not going to happen until a lot of other dominoes fall first. No, you're right. I mean, you, you got to do a lot of, you know, behind the scenes, you know, conversations. And you're, like you said, you know, it's not the by the bylaws of the NFL. It's, it's not the way things should be done. But we know these owners and you're right. They're going to do what they got to do for that's best for their football team for the most part. Um, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I will say that, too. I agree with you in the fact that, you know, in the one sport here to me, coaching 
in NFL football is more important than any other sport in the whole world. It really is. I mean, we, we've seen that. You've, we've already discussed that here. There's a reason we have a handful of teams that are always in the playoff conversation, and it's always the same coaches involved for like eight, ten years in a row. And I don't think that's by mistake, of course. So, yeah, they know how to run a team. They know how to talk to players, good coaches. They know how to come up with creative game plans on both sides of the ball. Um, having said all that, listen, uh, you know, I, I still, again, yeah, maybe if you have a Sean Payton, you feel like you can get him and that falls in your lap, fine, Dallas, go get it. But I still think you still got a pretty good coach in Mike McCarthy there. Not one that you should just throw out the door for. We didn't, we're not thrilled with the way the year went. We think we could do, do better. And you don't just throw it out the door to go, now let's interview coaches and see who we can get in here. You know, I think to your point, yes, you only make this kind of move in the McCarthy unless you know you got something that is really substantial. And if you're the Jones family and you go, no, this guy a better coach than Mike McCarthy for sure and we can get him maybe you think about that sure but as it stands right now I don't see that happening you know I don't see any uh, you know coaching candidates that are out there as far as far as first time candidates that I would say oh I'm definitely going to take them over Mike McCarthy no he has implemented something there they got a pretty good coaching staff right now we'll see where that way that goes as far as Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn you know it'd be one here where you know again I don't know if, if I'm, I'm one of these teams out there I don't know if I love I'm not hiring Kellen Moore I, I'm not, that's not happening I know it's the number one offense in football but man you know, you got to watch. You got to watch tape in the last seven, eight weeks of the year. It, it's not all that special that offense. It's too much about the Jimmys and the Joes. The defense. I would almost say the same thing. You know, I like Dan Quinn and all that too. He made an incredible improvement there. But I'd like to see him make another improvement before I'd give a head coaching job too. I mean, we're acting like they were the '85 Bears this year. They were the 20th or 21st ranked defense in football. I know it was better than last year, which was horrible. But you know, we act like it was like, oh my gosh, they were so dominant. Yeah, they made plays. They got turned. They got they you know got some turnovers. Sure, you know, but we saw last week the 49ers, you know, with a, a not even a top 15 quarterback had their way with them on the offense on the offensive side of the ball. The 49ers moved the ball up and down the field with a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who's being replaced next year as a top 20 quarterback in that range. So. Uh, because of all those things and what I'm saying here is I guess I would just go, I, I would stay the course. And everybody, I understand jumping on Mike McCarthy and some of these things he's done, but I still think there's more good than bad certainly there in Dallas. But if you knew you could get Sean Payton then I would and do replace it. Mike Boom. McCarthy with See Payton, ya. would you do bye it? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later. If yep. you knew you could get Kyle Shanahan and replace McCarthy with Shanahan, would you well, do it? Well, you know I'm biased there, but 100% to just, me, yes. Right. yeah, 100%. Your position no. is clear. Clear. I'm with That's you, all. though. I'm with you. You're right. Those we're guys not trying are... to start anything here. No, no. We're trying we're to finish something. And, you know, think about this. I think back to Super Bowl thirty yeah. when the Cowboys beat the Steelers. Right. Okay. <clears throat> if you had told me in the aftermath of that game, and I'm reflecting back to my life then, I wasn't even thirty years old yet at Super Bowl thirty. Or I was thirty. I just turned thirty. I'm always the age of the Super Bowl. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. It was early ninety six. Okay. We had just found out a week before that my wife was pregnant with my son who is twenty five years old now. If you had told me as the confetti was falling, if they were even using confetti after the Super Bowl back in early '96, I was that the there. Cowboys would not, if they would not even be at an NFC Championship game through the year 2022, right? I would have told you that you have lost your damn mind. That the right. team must have folded. That the NFL must have gone away. <laughs> the world must have ended. There's no way that the Dallas Cowboys are not going to play in an NFC championship game for 26 years. That is never going to happen. And yet here we are. Yeah, Isn't I that know. amazing? It's amazing. That's, of all the things that we could look back on over the past 25 years in the NFL, the thing that is the most amazing to me, of all the crazy S-T that has happened, the Cowboys... Never making it back to the NFC Championship since Super Bowl 30 is flat out freaking astounding. To me. It, it, it definitely is. It definitely is, especially when you talk about you know an owner that we know is willing to pay and do whatever you got to do to win football games. I think when you add that on top of it, you go, really? How could that happen? You know, I mean, Jerry Jones and the family, you, you know, you say what you want. They, they, they go all in every year. They're trying to win this damn thing every year. And added to the, like what you're saying, you know, not only like no NFC championship games, but like really, 
you know, I'm trying to think here, and, and you know me, I'm a f- football historian. I, I'm really not even close to getting to one other than the Des, the Des Bryant game. The Des game, Cotter right. game. That's the only game where I remember watching a divisional game going, ooh, the Cowboys, they mm, they might be going to the Super Bowl. Or they're, they got a chance to go to the conference championship here. Uh, that, that team with Tony Romo and all that, yes, that was the only time. But I know we had another divisional game right against the Vikings. Uh, Vikings destroyed, destroyed them. them. We had the Rams with Dak, you know, Dak Prescott a few years ago, the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, right? That divisional game out in L.A. in the Coliseum. It was a good game, but the Rams controlled it throughout. I want to say one by two scores, somewhere in that range. But you know, Aaron Rodgers with the throw to Jared Cook. That was, and yeah, that? you're right. That's right. That was the divisional game too. You're right. So that was a close one too. Right. And that was Rodgers making magic happen, certainly. So, hey, they've had some heartbreakers there. There's no doubt. But, you know, again, you talk about Mike McCarthy and he, yes, he did have Aaron Rodgers, but he did go to some a lot of NFC championship games with him and they did win a Super Bowl. And there is something to that. And again, I just don't think you throw that out the window where you are at the current state of this team right now. Unless you get Sean Payton well, or somebody like you're talking about. That, but that, that's, that's the whole point. It's about, it's about knowing that you can find someone who can take you from here to here. You have someone who's gotten you here. Can you get to here? And when you consider 26 years, 26 freaking years since they were an NFC championship game, I, I'd be beside myself. It's, it's the vast majority of the tenure of Jerry Jones. He bought the team in 89 by 95, he had gotten as far as he was ever going to get in his tenure as owner of the team because since then, not even to the NFC Championship game. It's, 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 I would not believe it. I would shout you down if you tried to tell me in early 1996 that we were not going to see the Cowboys in the NFC Championship for 26 years. All right, uh, one of the reasons we aren't going to see the Cowboys in this year's NFC Championship is we're not going to see them in the divisional round. We're not going to see them in the divisional round in part because of the final play from the wild card game against the 49ers. Here's McCarthy from yesterday with a big ass word salad about the final play and why it didn't work. Well, in this particular instance, uh, I think when you see Tyler get the ball, he look he looks for the umpire. You know, he, t- he turns and looks for the umpire. So, I think it's only a natural reaction to, you know, because if, if he's if, if the umpire is not there, we're, we're taught to put the ball in a, in a proper proper space and. I think not only you know the, the distance that the umpire had to come from, you know, and the collision that he was part of, you know, uh, you know, I, I can't speak on his behalf, you know, what he saw, actually, what the spot was, you know, as far you know, basically on the way it all happened. So, um, you know, usually, you know, the training tapes will show you, you know, nine out of ten of them are, are a tap, and you know, we call it a three-two-one. The clock's coming down three-two-one because you want to snap that ball right at two seconds. So. Yeah, I, I don't have any problem with uh, with our mechanics, but uh, yeah, I mean, if the umpire's right there, yeah, give it to him because you know we talk about two resets. You know, they, everybody's got to get set, and then there's a potential reset if the ball's not properly spotted based on how the ump feels in it. But you know, trying to eliminate that step if you put it right on the hash, you know, on the edge of the half with the tip on it, which is the same mechanics that the the umpires use, then you're hoping to save a step there where that's usually when it becomes a tap. And it's really, my understanding is, you know, as long as they have what they feel is an appropriate spot, which usually in that instance, you know, coming down to the wire like that, you usually get the tap there. That's a prime example of if you talk about something long enough, people will forget what the hell you were talking about. Yeah. And they'll quit asking you tough questions about it. It was, look, bottom line, bottom line. You didn't practice it well enough. You didn't account for the umpire having to bust his ass and run 30 yards to get in position. And the umpire, you watch this over and over again. He did everything in his power to help you get the ball set so you could snap it. And he, he did everything good. he could. I, I've watched and it you were oblivious. Phone. Right. And you're oblivious to the fact. How are your players oblivious to the fact that they need to open the door? We're talking about claustrophobia in a closed casket. The, the casket's closed right there. The ump can't get through. What what kind of coaching failure, what kind of player accountability and execution failure is there to not let the most important thing happen? This is the one He's play where the most important thing happens after the play ends. Right. Not during the play. You know you're getting your yardage. You, you're taking advantage of a clear 
opening in the defense because they're finally covering the sidelines. You're going to get your yardage. The most important part of that play is what happens after the play. Yeah. And it was completely not on the radar screen for anybody who was in the position to get the hell out of the way so the umpire could spot the ball. Failure of everything. Coaching, execution, everything by the Cowboys. Yeah, I, you know, I you know, I know something we were texting about a little yesterday where like, you know, you, you were like I don't uh, I don't agree. What was the I don't agree with the people saying it was a bad call, a bad play call. And I'm with well, you. Well, because there. Tony Romo, Tony Romo was saying oh, the Dallas fans should be upset right now. That he set the narrative for 50 million people, the Dallas fans should be upset. If they should be upset with anyone, they should be upset with McCarthy okay, and Prescott, okay. I mean, frankly. Okay. I miss I meant I misunderstood I think your text and so I thought you meant like the play Maybe call I itself, misunderstood. the quarterback, the draw. That, I thought you were more referring to that in the text message the quarterback draw was a great play it was great again I think what can be debated here was with 14 seconds left you can't let Dak Prescott run 17 yards I think that's where you're really pushing the limits there of whether you can get everybody lined up and spike the ball you know secondly all the things you explained you're spot on the process and how it was handled and the attention to detail was not right you know within that too listen I still got issues with that ball was spotted three yards ahead of where he started his slide. I mean, everybody on the Cowboys was offsides when that ball was snapped. Everybody. It was not close. In fact, I don't even know what like what, what were they going to do if that ball did get spiked there and they tried to say one second. And then you look at the clock and you go, I mean, you look at the replays and you go, wait, no, everybody on the Cowboys is offsides. Everybody. And... They're going to, the referee, even at the top of the screen, the line judge at the top of the screen, he's got it marked off at like the 25 and a half. And he tries to like change the line of scrimmage here. You can see him at the top when the ball starts to get stabbed. Look, he moves up, even they're though that's the not where yeah, the ball is spotted. The, yep. The ball wasn't even yep. spotted. So, like, the, the whole process was wrong. I don't know. And, again, the referee, this is not some old, crickety old man who couldn't run down there. He, You could see he had some movement skills. I've watched it on the coaches' film. He could run. He got there in plenty of time. It's as fast as you can expect a referee to get there. That's for sure. But you're like, you're there. That, that's the problem. Dak Prescott, I don't know what he's doing. He's over there looking at the clock. And, yeah, the process of the, the referee has to touch the ball, get the spotted in the right way. Dallas kind of just took that for granted. It didn't handle the situation the right way there. And uh, that's why they're going to be sitting at home this weekend. And this is why I say there's a handful of great coaches and there's everybody else because the great coaches have the attention to detail. They practice the play with an umpire to the extent that they're there. If you're going to put your whole season eggs in that basket, you're going to understand and account for everything well, that needs yeah, to happen. There right. needs to be a, You need to practice it so the umpire gets there. And, Chris, something we've said, because we know this happens when coaches will say to the officials what they're planning to do. During the timeout that the 49ers called, because this wasn't, hey, let's go do the next play. There was a Sh timeout called before no this doubt. happened. No you doubt. Go, you grab, if you're, if you're McCarthy, you, 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 come here, come here, come here. We're, we're going to run on this play, so be ready to get down there. We need sure. you to get in position. Sure. And we're going to make sure you can get in position. I've already told my guys, get your ass out of the way so the umpire can get through and spot the ball. Lack of detail. That's the thing. You're here. You want to get here. Coach that doesn't pay attention to detail keeps you here coach that has all the details covered gets you here it's that simple it's that simple it does not take an advanced degree in anything to understand that i no, it does not you're right and, and listen i the the part about like you know the one thing i will question about the whole process like for real here and i mean we've questioning a lot of it of course but i i don't know again i i, I was never on a team where we talked about like hey, give the ball to the center. I, I really wasn't. I, I, that was never talked about, in my opinion. Even, you know, the end of my career, you know, even, you know, talking to coaches now, you know, working in New England for the short period of time I did, it, it was give the ball to the referee, give the ball to him. It was never give the ball to the center and let him swap the ball. I never, that was, that's the first time I've heard of that. It really is. It was always anytime I practice this drill in practice or even a backup quarterback watching it, hey, we get down there, blah, blah, blah. Everybody was looking for the referee. Here's the ball so you can take it and spot it and we can get lined up. I, I never th I never remember, maybe I'm wrong, the conversation of, hey, give the ball to the center. No, that's and let their him figure job. It out. 
So you don't get to spot the ball yourself. That's the number one thing I question here. I know there's like the tap thing, and that certainly that can be involved. Yes, but again, you're you're at that point where you can tap the ball. You're assuming that the spot of the ball was absolutely correct. And I'm sorry, the center doesn't get to just absolutely say, "Oh, wait, wait, we're the Cowboys, and we want to spot the ball three yards in front of where we actually should." And that's where, to me, that's the one I just go, "What? I don't know. I don't know any of my." friends or or coaches I talk to and I don't remember being coached just give the ball to the center in that situation and let's see where it goes from there that that that's the one I really question this isn't Sandlot football this isn't the honor system the team with the ball does not get to decide where the ball is spotted and it's just a failure it's just a complete failure of people who are paid millions of dollars to understand how the game works, how the rules are applied, how it all happens, to envision and realize and visualize how this play is actually going to unfold during a game. You can practice it all the time, but if you're practicing it with your head halfway up your butt, it isn't going to matter when it's time to go do it. Well, it is going to matter. It's going to keep you from doing it. That's. I think that's what we see here. This is why, and again, I'm not trying to get Mike McCarthy fired. I'm trying to get people to understand, number one, for all the, because I think people in football want to make it seem mysterious and complicated, and there are aspects of it that are. I don't want to make it seem overly simple, but for something like this, it's pretty damn simple. You've either covered all your bases in figuring out how to implement this play and execute this play and make sure there's time on the clock when it's all said and done, or you haven't. And it's clear to me, for a variety of reasons, the Cowboys just didn't. They just didn't. No. So I, that's yeah. why. That's why Cowboys fans, I think, are asking themselves, can we do better? I, it's I, that, that play is the reason. Not the fact they were getting their asses kicked 23-7. to That's a separate issue. The fact that they had a window to win the game and they blew it is the thing that's getting Cowboys fans to say, why did we blow it? How did we blow it? Would a great coach have blown that moment? No, I, 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 that's fair. I understand. I think it's a little bit of that, right? And the way sometimes he has handled the the post game press conference or the Monday press conference after some of these blunders, that's maybe a little more troubling than actually what I see on the field at times, where there just seems to be a stumbling and mumbling, and you can tell an insecurity almost about how it's being explained. It's not ever being explained with, you know, you know absolute conviction because we have all the details right and they're all right here and I got it and it just what it doesn't matter you go back to last year's opening game when they started the season in L, you know LA right and what and had that game and they had the end of the game you know clock management blunders and there was a few last year where not only does it not go the right way in the field he sometimes doesn't make you feel warm and cozy and confident in the fact of how he answers it to you where you go wait does he really understand it or get it and I think that's also what adds to you know some of this angst or whatever you want to call it from the Cowboys fan as far as how it looks and everything like that well uh, to the extent that there is a potential upgrade out there that the Cowboys don't want to trade for there is a potential upgrade out there that they could pursue at Michigan there were dueling reports yesterday from the athletic one from Bruce Feldman that Michigan sources believe Jim Harbaugh the head coach there and Chris is I think uh, that's probably your favorite head coach you have a poster on your wall <laughs> would take the Raiders job if it was offered Vic Tafer of the Athletic who covers the Raiders calls that total noise now that was before I think before the Feldman report came was the Tafer report that this isn't any discussion that's within the Raiders building this is all external here's what's going on with Jim Harbaugh I can tell you plain and simple Harbaugh wants to come back to the NFL. That's all and it's it seems not just like. the Raiders. Right. It's not he just the Raiders. It. No, I know. He wants in. He wants the right, right spot. He wants in, right. and he wants to win a Super Bowl. Right. And I think it's as basic as, I've said this all week long, it's very simple. My brother's got one, and I don't. Yeah. And we know how competitive those guys are with each other and everyone else. And every time I'm around John, what do I see? I see that ring on his hand. Not that he wears it around and flashes it, but even if he's not wearing it, Jim sees it. Because... <laughs> Brother's got a Super Bowl ring and I don't. Well, yeah. And I want one. And, and brother's I'm got a ring. Yeah, brother's got a ring at the expense of me too. That's what's even exactly. worse. Exactly. He's right? got my ring. Yeah, He's right. got my ring. Right. Exactly. He whooped our butt. I had the better team in the Super Bowl with more talent on it, and they whooped us. That's that's probably what irks them and drives them crazy too. I mean, that, that so really, I think I, so. Yeah. What's going on, Chris? He's just waiting, and He's I don't fishing, look, right? look. He's fishing. It He's, seems he's, like. 
the word is out. Yes. And so whether it's the Broncos, whether it's the Bears, whether it's the Vikings, whether it's the – hey, it ain't going to be the Jaguars because you're not going to work with Trent Baalke again. Yeah, uh, no, that, no. That, that's one of those situations where past relationship does not mean future relationship is desired by anyone involved. They hated each other by the time it was over in San Francisco. But all of the vacancies, starting with the Raiders, that's how this all got rolling. The Harbaugh rumors first surfaced – with him potentially coaching the Raiders. But, you know, he ultimately wants to go to a spot where he feels like between ownership and general manager, whoever the GM is, will create a situation where he can go win a Super Bowl. And it was 44-19-1. We saw it on the graphic. Yeah, That's impressive. It is. The 49ers were 6-10 and when he showed up. And but for a couple of Kyle Williams muffs yeah. against the Giants in the NFC Championship, they go to the Super Bowl in his first year. What a turnaround that would have been. His second year, they go there and they almost win it. His third year, he was still good, but that's when the the Jim Harbaugh expiration date started to creep forward. Right, and Seattle started to jump on the scene. Yeah, th- exactly, right. exactly. And, and look, folks, when you have a great coach, give him some latitude. Give him a little room. And I'm not just saying – Jim Harbaugh, you know, Josh McDaniels in Denver. When you got a guy who's who's pushing hard and trying to change things, and, and I know McDaniels didn't have the success right away that Harbaugh did, but you know, some of these guys yeah. they're, they're not getting they're not getting the latitude they need. They're not getting they a fair need. shot. No, I agree. Yeah, oh, guess what? Good football coaches can be jerks at times. They right. they may say things that you don't want to hear. That's right. Because they're trying to get you to be better at your job. Whatever your job in the organization may be, you got to give these guys just a little bit of room, not a lot of room. We'll talk later about why you don't want to give them a lot of room, but you want to give them a little room. You want to give them a little room so they can do their thing and turn your team around. And yeah. Harbaugh did it immediately. Yeah, I mean, you know, drastic turnarounds. It usually takes drastic measures to get that to turn around that way. You know, and I, I think you said it right. You go through the lures of time in the NFL at the head coaching position, and you take the great ones. I mean, none of them are Boy Scouts or band leaders. I mean, that's just not what they are. They're not. The reason they're successful is, yeah, they can walk in the building every day and light a fire under everybody's butt, and they're all over the details. And then within that, they're all over their coaches because they want their coaches to be the details because that's how it funnels down to the players too. And, yes, I mean, you know, again, how many coaches have I talked to through time who, you know, you know, oh, I mean, Belichick, oh, gosh, uh, working for him, holy crap. But at the end of that, like, holy crap, is it hard and all that? He looks up and, man, it was good. We won a lot of games. I mean, he, man, man, he taught me a lot. Same thing with, like, Bill Parcells, and I'm around coaches that are coach for him. Man, he was a pain in the ass. Man, he called me a lot of four-letter words and all of that. Oh, but, man, there's nothing like working for Bill Parcells and what he could do and how he could rally the troops and come through a game plan. You know, so, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. You know, it's not. I'm sure Jim Harb- uh, John Harbaugh in Baltimore, I'm sure there's coaches there. Oh, gosh, it's Harbaugh walking in. Here we go. Oh, that's, that's part of it. Sean Payton, he's certainly no, not going to be easy that way either. But that's what it takes to be a great head coach, to your point. Um, but I do – I agree. Like, I, I haven't heard anything substantial as far as any team that's really – like actually considering Harbaugh at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know the right no, people. No, you're right. You're right. right? No, I haven't heard right. any of you're that. Right. It does seem like he's just looking for somebody to take some interest in him. And it does seem like he wants back in the NFL for sure. And I understand that. He was a quarterback in the NFL. I think that's really where his heart is. You know, he got to an AFC championship as a quarterback. He's never got that Super Bowl ring as a player or as a coach. And I would envision that was that's really his dream. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I really don't you know he has a he has a bad reputation he's a different guy he's weird I don't know any other way to say it let alone I don't like him you know that even if I don't like him he's still weird I mean the guy is like this the first time I met him I walked up and I went, hey coach Harbaugh great to meet you how you doing he went great with a capital G and I was like what I looked around and I was like I'm just Chris and I'm here to meet you what are you I, <laughs> I'm, I'm Chris with a capital C I'm not like you're not pumping me up like a He's weird. There's a reason, like, everybody gets sick of him after two or three years. I think it goes beyond a little bit of the what we're talking about with great coaches can be tough on their guy. I mean, to me, I think he sometimes crosses the line as a real jerk that way. Uh, And I know that because I've heard that from coaches who have worked for him and and people who have been around him. So that's where it's different. And I have a hard time thinking anybody in the NFL is going to go after him in this hiring cycle. Everything with Jim Harbaugh feels like a competition to the point where – 
and I picked up on this early in his time with the 49ers. When he's at a press conference, it's like you know every question and answer is is some sort of an yeah, arm wrestling agreed. match. It's uncomfortable. And, and he comes up with tentative answers and he projects them onto an invisible teleprompter and reads them as he's saying them to make sure one last time these are the words I want to say. I mean, it is incredibly awkward yeah. to see him in those settings. It so is. You're right. But, but, but. But he can coach some football. Exactly. He can coach some football. You know, right. if you want to win a Super Bowl, they all say they want to win a Super Bowl. And I feel like this year the teams are being so deliberate and so expansive and so methodical and comprehensive. I feel like they are overlooking some pretty obvious options. We still have yet to hear of any of these eight teams. Now, I know the Broncos wouldn't do it. But the other yeah. seven, nobody, nobody's yet. talking to Josh McDaniels. I'm, I'm shocked. I know. I'm shocked. I don't. I don't understand it either. You're right. It, it, it's a different cycle here. It really is. I mean, again, there's certainly some guys who have never got an opportunity who I think are very deserving. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised by that aspect. Certainly. I mean, I think Josh McDaniels is one of the best coaches in football, sir. And, and to your point, I was there in Denver with him. There was. I know. I can't even tell you all the circumstances that were going on there behind the scene. The biggest one, and I know I've told you this before, was the team was going broke at the time. So therefore, there wasn't the amount of money able to be spent on free agents and players like that either. So there was some issues there. So, you know, hey, you could come here and be the head coach. We'll give you, you know, this much amount of money to rebuild the team and get it where you want to. You get there and everything gets in order. And now they go, well, you know, you know all that money we told you you could spend on players to go get? Uh, we'll let you do like one quarter of that because we got some cash issues here. And, okay, whoa, okay, that's a little different ball game here now. I was going to be able to spend this amount of money to get players to change over the roster and get guys that I need from the, you know, that, that don't fit the Mike Shanahan era, that fit my era, and that didn't happen. And I think that was one of the big issues. You know, like I told you, that year I was on that team, I, my signing bonus, the Broncos couldn't pay me when I signed the contract. They had to wait until cash came in from the tickets during the season to pay me. So those are things sometimes that go on behind the scenes with some of these coaches that really that really handicap them that way it kind of happened to Belichick in Cleveland the first time around they were going broke too he couldn't spend any players at all that's why they moved to Baltimore and that kind of hurt his whole issue there as well so you know th those are the things sometimes to your point where it doesn't help out these guys and you can't just go oh wait it didn't work for him screw him don't ever give him a chance again you gotta the context matters and this kind of thing and as to Belichick, he's surprised, I believe. The Patriots are surprised, I know. And they're pleasantly surprised. They don't have to worry about Josh McDaniels leaving. The, one of the best offensive coordinators in football who did incredible work with Mac Jones this year. Right. Staying put by all appearances because right. his name is yet to come up. That's subject to change at any time. One guy whose name will not come up in this hiring cycle as it relates to any potential new job is John Gruden. But Finally, news was made yesterday as it relates to the lawsuit that he filed on November 11 against the NFL and Roger Goodell, arising from the way that the emails were leaked by someone who had possession of them, and the theory is they were strategically leaked to engineer the end of his employment as the head coach of the Raiders. The NFL, as I expected, they've they filed two motions. I, I expected one. I didn't really think about the other one. One motion, the one I expected is the argument that John Gruden can't bring this lawsuit, this claim in court. He's got to use an arbitration process, which is always better for the big money interest. It's always better to go to arbitration because if you go to arbitration, you avoid a jury. And a jury, nobody holds an oligarch accountable like a jury of average persons yeah, that's who finally right. get their chance to hold an oligarch yeah, accountable. Yeah, right, that's right, yeah. right. Uh, and secondly, they've argued that there, there's, there's basically nothing in here that is a viable legal claim. It's called a motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim. And the argument is, if everything this guy's saying is true, it doesn't matter. The law gives him no pathway to showing that we did something wrong and deserving compensation for any damage we supposedly did to his career. The law doesn't help him here. He may be 100% factually right. The law doesn't help him here. So those are the two 
positions the NFL has so, taken, and now it yeah. goes forward. He'll respond to it, and you know it'll take a few months, and we'll eventually find out. Number one, does he get to go forward at all? Number two, does he go forward in arbitration, or does he go forward in court in Nevada? All right. So wait, here's my question for you, and I think I know the answer, but I, you know, you're smarter than me, and you know more about this. I'd like, like, so there's no law as far as releasing someone's private emails or anything like that is it all just because it was to bruce allen and the fact that he was underneath the you know the nfl umbrella at that point is that is that why i mean that that, that to me is well, what i just what i questioned I, I that's what i didn't understand i hear everything you're saying but like there's no law in the fact of like hey if john gruden's claiming we released emails so what like, there's nothing to say, like, wait, that was personal information and it was a smear campaign and you did it deliberately to, you know, damage the guy's reputation and get him out of the NFL. There's no law that protects that? Two different issues. Yeah. Now, I remember at the time, at right. the time when this all happened, when the emails came out, I think one of the points I made somewhere, I can't remember whether it was this show, afternoon show, or at PFT, or yeah. maybe on a radio spot somewhere, but let me just say it now. There's no privilege that applies to sending someone an email. The only privileges, and there are very few, you've got your attorney-client privilege, you've got your doctor-patient privilege, you've got your uh, marital privilege, you've got maybe a clergy privilege that depends on the jurisdiction, but, and, and this is in the paperwork the NFL filed, John Gruden voluntarily sent those emails to Bruce Allen. He voluntarily sent them. He said these things. There's no protection when you say these things. It's not like phone quest- records or anything like that. that are right, like, but, but, yeah. so there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no privilege. Yeah. He said, not, but the, the, the question is, the question is, right. and th- this is where it feels wrong to me, just viscerally wrong to me from the NFL's perspective, that you have these 650,000 emails that you are supposedly keeping private. You are supposedly treating these like they are privileged. They are protected. They are confidential and we're not going to give them to anybody. We're treating these as special. We're treating these as private. But we're going to peel off a couple of them, and we're going to leak them to the media to get a guy fired. That's what that's seems where, weird. You're right. That's where it doesn't feel right to right. me. Right. No, I think that's, that's, that's probably why I think that. You're right, because I'm sitting there going, wait, the, they don't want to release the rest of the emails and show everybody, but this was okay. That's Trying to have it both ways. Yeah, that's, Can't that, have it both ways. Okay. Uh, that's, that's where it seemed off to me, too, and that's where I was getting back into that legal question there because I just didn't understand that. Um, so, all right. But, yeah, you're right. They are. And, They're and, trying and to have good, it both it's ways. It's a good point. Yeah. Because this is just like with football. Like, we try to make it seem very complicated, like the legal process is complicated, and parts of it are. Parts of it are very simple. And one of the things you're always looking for when you're in a litigation posture, you're trying to show that the other side's trying to have it both ways. Yeah. And that'd be my argument. Right. If I was the one representing John Gruden, I'd say, hey, Judge, they're trying to have it both ways. They're treating these 650,000 emails like no one should see any of them right. ever under any right. circumstance, no matter what. But somebody who has access to them decided, let's take a few of these yeah. and send them to the media because we know what's going to happen. John Gruden's going to be out of a job. Yeah. And we want that to happen. Mm-hmm. We want that to occur. And uh, you can't have it both ways. That's a powerful argument. You can't, and it's a simple argument. Can't have it both ways. Yeah. All right, we can't have it both ways. We can't have a show that has commercial breaks without actually taking the commercial breaks. <laughs> we're going to do that. When we return, we're going to hear from Derek Henry about how he's feeling just two days away from his potential return to action. We'll do that next here on this Thursday edition of PFF. King Henry. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You definitely uh, appreciate this game a lot more when you're away from it, being away from your teammates, just having that camaraderie and you know going to going to work every day and going out to play on Sundays um, each and every week. Definitely miss that and um, you know just happy to be back. Um, appreciative of everybody that helped me get to be able to come back and um, contribute during the playoffs and I'm just happy to be back playing football. Expect to play on Saturday? Do I expect to play? Um, see how this week goes and we'll see where I'm at on Saturday. Anytime someone repeats the question they've been asked, they don't want to answer that question. Do you expect to play on Saturday? Do I expect to play? Like, why would you ask me that? Do I expect to play? Well, fairly an important subject, Derek. I, I, I think he's I think he's been told to be as coy as he can yeah, be agreed. about whether or not he expects to play, and that was his best effort at doing what Mike Vrabel presumably told him to do. Don't don't give anything away, Derek. Don't give anything away. We we we're gonna we're gonna make you questionable, and we're gonna we're gonna milk this up until game time. But what a difference if Derek Henry is healthy, and if he's Derek Henry. I feel very badly for the Bengals' defense if that's the case. Well, it's just, yeah, I mean, come on. It's a game changer like we talked a little about yesterday. We're talking about, you know, in an era where it's not going to be easy for running backs to get in the Hall of Fame. Like, we got guy here that's going to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. I mean, he, he's one of the greatest running backs in the history of football already, in my opinion. He is. It's, it's a rare combination of size and speed and the ability to carry the workload, you know, smash it up in there for four or five yards when there was only a yard to get be gained. Or, oh, you know, hey, it looks like he's going to get six yards off tackle and all of a sudden he runs for a 70-yard touchdown. And then I think you add that on top of the fact that, oh, no, that scares the death out of any defense. And, of course, it's going to scare the Bengals. And now if you got a healthy A.J. Brown and a somewhat healthy Julio Jones on the outside, that's where the, the Titans become dangerous. And, you know, there's it's, it's no fluke the fact that they got to an AFC championship game, you know, lost a home wild card game last year against the Ravens. Okay, and here they are back because this formula is tried and true and they have the right pieces on the offensive side of the ball that make it work for them. So now you're running the ball, you're doing that. Tannehill, the numbers bear it out. My eye bears it out. Throwing the ball deep down the field, he has one of the, been, been one of the best quarterbacks in football over the last few years since he's taken over the Tennessee Titans uh, organization there. And you add that, again, with the Derrick Henry running, and now you go, oh, wait, he kept it off play action, and here goes A.J. Brown on a 60-yard post. They become a different football team. It goes a little bit different beyond, oh, ground and pound, and we're going to play you know, Mike Vrabel defensive football to where now they become a little more explosive on the offensive side of the ball, and they can be scared that way that graphic we just had up was amazing to me at the very top six and two with Henry six and three without hmm. I, I would have never picked six and three without I, yep, the morning I, that we were talking about the Derrick Henry foot surgery I would have said three and six not six and three I I, I you know I I, I I I get it I get it I was one that I will say that I, I did not expect to fall off. I think people here at NBC will vouch for me. There's too many people. This team is good. This is where we're getting into. We've disrespected the Titans too much here. I don't know if they're going to win this weekend. I don't know. But I know they're good enough and worthy enough to be, we should put them in the Super Bowl conversation. You know, we, we should. When I first filled out my little bracket for the Super Bowl, you know, and again, my thoughts have changed a little bit here, but when the playoffs first came out, I kind of put Tennessee in the Super Bowl. I, I, I thought they're going to get there. You know, we'll see. I don't know. This is just going to be a tough matchup. Their defense, their pass defense has some issues, and now you got Joe Burrow and those weapons coming into town. But I think it speaks again to the rest of the football team, to, to your point and what you're saying here. 
You know, it's a good offensive line. The quarterback's good. The backup running backs are good. The receivers, when they're healthy, are good. The tight ends are good. It's a great D line. They got some good pieces in the secondary and got some good linebackers. There's not a like glaring, glaring weak spot with the team. Uh, but if there is a weak spot, like I talked about it, it's the past events, and you got a guy coming in this week that's a magician and got some weapons, and you better watch out. And that's where it could be scary for them on Saturday afternoon. Neither outcome of that game will surprise me. Neither You're outcome. right. Exactly right. Agreed. That, Agreed. Because I could see, I could see the Titans just stepping into something they never expected with Joe Burrow continuing to ascend and Joe Burrow finding next level of performance with Jamar Chase, right. with Joe Mixon, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd. I could see that. And you never know when C.J. Uzama is going to chip in a touchdown exactly. here or there. I mean, right. there's plenty right. of openings for him with all these other guys. I, I, it won't surprise me. But it also won't surprise me if we see Derrick Henry with 225 steamrolling the Cincinnati defense and making it impossible for Joe Burrow. I really do think that the Titans – They'd be wise to do the keep Joe Burrow on the sideline drinking Gatorade thing, slow it down, grind it out. Even though you're the, the better team, supposedly, you're the one seed, and you wouldn't think the one seed would need to slow play the game and reduce the number of possessions. You kind of got to think about doing that with Joe Burrow now. I, 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 I would agree with that. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that no matter what, no matter who's on the other sideline. You know, there was somebody this weekend who said it, and I, it might have been our game on Sunday night. Like, I think Mike Tomlin maybe said it. I, it was Chris Collinsworth maybe referring to it. I can't remember exactly where they were like, hey, the best defenses are on the sideline a lot. And they are. They're on the sideline a lot because usually that means the, the offense is, hey, we got a three and out. Now the offense is going on a ball-controlled long drive, and now you get to come out and be fresh, and the other offense is out of rhythm, and you know your energy and you're ready to go on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of that that I think that's the way the Titans want to play no matter what. doesn't matter who comes to town, but I think it definitely holds true in the AFC with Burrow, Mahomes, and Allen. You go, hey, I think we want to play that game here all the way through the AFC. FC playoffs here and get to the Super Bowl and then we'll figure out who we're playing there to figure this out. But I, I think that's the way Vrabel wants to play. Vrabel, his DNA is first three Super Bowls, New England Patriots football. And that's what they did. It was, let's run the ball, Brady will be efficient and he'll be clutch when we need him and our defense can shut down the Peyton Mannings and of the world and do all that and that's how we're going to play football and I think that's how he's trying to coach his football team right now. On Saturday for the two division round games, we get to be spectators and fans. Oh, and we'll I be can't taking wait. mental notes for our show on Monday. On Sunday, we work, not that we ever work. Not that it's work, but we work because NBC has the Buccaneers hosting the Rams, 3 p.m. Eastern, NBC and Peacock. Coverage begins 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock. And one of the things I predict we won't see during the Rams-Buccaneers game is Bruce Arians slapping the helmet off and or throwing an elbow <laughs> into the shoulder pad of and or pushing the chest of a player who's doing something that Bruce Arians doesn't want him to do because he was fined $50,000 for his interaction with Andrew Adams on Sunday against the Eagles when Adams was trying to pull an Eagles player off the pile after a muffed punt by Jalen Rager. Arians was trying to keep the foul from being called because you can't pull an opposing player off the pile when they're trying to get the football. Arians fined 50000 Here he is yesterday addressing the news that came down just moments before his press conference. Yeah, I guess the league uh, has fined you $50,000 for your encounter there on the sideline with Andrew Adams. Um, do you plan to appeal it? Uh, do you have anything else to say about what you're trying to do there? Uh, I'll appeal it. and uh, It ain't got nothing to do with the game, so we're good. That was all he had to say about it. And I don't know why he's appealing it, Chris. He doesn't have a union. There's no independent arbitrator. The league made the decision. It's just going through the motions, I think. They're not going to change their mind on this. No, no way. They're not going to wipe this. it away. I don't, right. I don't know why you just don't write the check and move on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it earlier in the week. I think there's a bright line that you can't cross, regardless of what he's trying to do here. Right, right. You just can't do that. You can't do that. We, we, we have not seen that in the presence of cameras by an NFL coach in a very long time. No. And, and the NFL needs to send a message to the coaches at every level of the sport where that line is. You can't do it. And I think that's what this really was. It was a message. To the extent the NFL believes that everything it does sets the tone for football at every level, that's why that fine was imposed. So that youth level coaches remember 
that there is a line there now that you can't cross. No, I think so. I mean, if you're going to have taunting and, and, and claim the whole taunting issue and all that is about being role models for the young kids, and yes, this is a part of it. No, no question. You know? And again, yeah, it's, it's very rare. Uh, I, this, this stuff kind of went out of the football DNA and culture when I was, I'm going to say, high school, you know, late 90s, where it was like starting to be a no-no. You know, even grabbing a player by the face mask and going, what the hell are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. Like that started like, whoa, whoa, he did that? You know, that was becoming, you know, very dicey. So we, you're right. We haven't seen anything like this in a long time. Like I said, I think yesterday or Monday a little bit, if there's one guy that can get away for, with it a little bit, it's him. You know, I, I still look at that play and just go, you know, one of the re- like Adams' reaction, I think, tells you a little bit about like Bruce Arians and the fact like he, Adams like he knew he was wrong and he's like I know my coach is psycho. I probably deserve that right hook to the head and he kind of went about his business. He wasn't even like shocked or anything about it. Uh, but so what else are you gonna do? No, as a I know. Player? You know, I've had people say to me, yeah. "Oh, what you know? Yeah, players should have kicked his ass." And you know, some, somebody asked me yesterday, "What would Rodney Harrison have done if Belichick did it?" Well, Rodney, I mean, you you you're part of this this structure where. There's a certain amount of abuse that there, you there's take. Right. It's, there's it's right. It's an inherently abusive relationship. It Usually it's verbal. Yeah. But uh, you, what are you going to do? You're going to beat up the coach because the coach smacked you in the helmet? No, you're, you're exactly going right. against everything you've been you've been led to believe your role is. Uh, you're you are in a subordinate position. So I don't think any I don't think any coach would take a real risk that they're going to get their ass kicked by a player by doing that. The players are wired to take it. That, yeah. that, that's all the more reason for that bright line to be there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. The players are going to take it. You're right. Most guys in the NFL team, especially if you did something stupid, I think a lot of them could take that kind of abuse. I do. Not to say it's right, but I think a lot of them, you know, to your point, the culture of, you know, the NFL and football is a little bit, you know, Sergeant General-ish. And you take your orders and commands and sometimes you get yelled at and MF and whatever, and you got to take your lumps that way. I think what you said is the real thing. I think uh, the the modern-day really good coach has some players like a Rodney Harrison on his team that police those things themselves and don't let them go down. And I, I think the Bucks have some of those guys, just maybe they weren't around the scrum there to do that. But I think that's no, more than normal, or at least the thing you see more now than ever, is that you know veteran, mature presence who's totally bought into the coach and the organization. He's the guy that goes there and gets in the face of Adams and goes, dude, what the hell are you doing? And you bear hug him and you get him away and go, this isn't, you know, you give him the speech that way. That's usually how it goes down. But it was a little weird because it was right by the sidelines. Arian was so close that even with his partner, torn Achilles he could get over there and, and throw a right hook hey it, it was the the claim that Urban Meyer kicked Josh Lambeau in a late August practice with no video to support it that ultimately I believe was the final straw for him in Jacksonville even though the Jaguars have tried to deny it and I think back to other interactions we've seen on camera remember a few years ago back before Brian Kelly developed a spontaneous southern accent when he would turn like red <laughs> yeah. and purple right. and blue and scream and he, he wasn't I don't know if he did the face mask grab I think one time there may have been a face mask grab I can't remember that as much but as he the was fact in your that face yeah he went he went Joseph's multi-keller technicolor dream coat all on his face right yelling at yelling at, at somebody and we thought that's that may be a little bit too far here coach. That may be, especially for guys who aren't getting paid. Yeah, he may be kids. going a little too far. Right. So, uh, so there's a line, and and I think the easiest line to police is, "Thou shalt not lay hands or feet, yeah. or grab face masks of your players." All right, yeah. let's go ahead and take a break. We will be speaking of coaches. We'll be looking at the coaching matchups in the all important divisional round of the 2021 playoffs. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.